My name is Fitz, and I'm the CEO of the Fitz Group. I'm glad you've chosen to listen to this week's excerpt from our weekly builder's call. This call is designed to help you move beyond personal sales and into building a business in the insurance industry. On one end of the income spectrum, we've helped a ton of agents make an additional $50,000 a year in override income on top of their sales income. And on the other end of the spectrum, we've helped a number of leaders make in excess of $1 million annually through the development of the override income into a business. And now, on to today's lesson. All right. Today's training. I'm excited about today's training. Um, if you are new to the call uh, and wonder where I come up with the training, the, uh, the training that I, that I do on the Builders Call is, is from 20 years of experience in building my own agency and helping a number of other people build theirs. Um, it's, uh, it comes from that. Uh, and, uh, and really, uh, what I'm looking at is I'm looking at the performance of the organization right now and what do they need from me uh, what maybe does the organization not know that, that I could help them know or learn? Uh, I also figure the training based on conversations I'm having with people individually. Uh, and, and I know that if I've got, you know, 50 plus people on a builder's call on a Monday morning uh, and during the week, five or six people are talking about one topic, I tend to know that's a topic that needs to be taught on on a builder's call coming soon. Uh, because 10% of the call needing to know about a, about a certain topic in individual conversations, that means there's more people on the call that aren't, aren't speaking up, aren't having individual conversations, but definitely need to know uh, this, uh, this education. Um, and so for today's training, interviewing basics. Interviewing basics. When we are running ads or uh, getting lists of names and referrals, when we're doing that and now we're having this 30-minute conversation with somebody, uh, what are the basics uh, of the interview? Um, uh, there is, uh, I have a lot of conversation about this with a lot of different people. I will say this, uh, people ask me all the time for interviewing scripts. I, I don't do scripts. I don't, I'm just, I have a tough time. I have a great memory, but it's weird. Like when I'm trying to memorize scripts, I just, I feel like I have a tough time with that. I am more of somebody who, if you give me an outline, and then a destination of where we're trying to go, I can get there. Uh, and so what I want to do today is tell you my outline uh, that I've created. I'll give you the actual mechanics. Now, when I first moved out to Dallas and started building the agency, uh, I didn't have any local support here. Uh, my mentor didn't come out to, to help me for six months. Uh, I was not out here the first six months I was out here. And I was, I was definitely floundering. But uh, this is 99, beginning of 2000. Uh, and so <clears throat> I was 23 years old. I'd been married for a year. I mean, it was... <laughs> I, had a, I lacked a lot of experience. What I did during that time is I listened to a lot of cassette tapes, a lot of training uh, by Brian Tracy and Zig Ziglar. Uh, those two men and, and the training, the content they put out, I bought their training tapes and they would come in these, I mean, if, if, if you're kind of like me, sort of old school, maybe you remember cassette tapes coming in these big plastic box book looking things that you open up and there's like 12 tapes in there and you just you know, <laughs> run through and put them in the car. I used to buy cars based on if they had a tape deck or not because I, I had so many cassette tapes. But uh, I used to listen to these tapes all the time and, uh, and it really just, it, it soaked in me. And <clears throat> from that, I developed what I started calling Sales 101. Uh, and it's really how every sale is made uh, in, 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 in sales in general. And I, I don't know, uh, I haven't, haven't copyrighted the Sales 101 or anything like that. It's, it's, I got it from Zig Ziglar and Brian Tracy and just, just put it together and made it work for me. Uh, and so uh, it, the, 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 what I'm going to teach you about how to do an interview, it works just great on doing in-home uh, presentations. If you're making sales out there, it, it, it's the same format, the same outline you're following 
to make those sales, the same format and outline that you're, that you're using to, to sell cars or encyclopedias. Do they sell encyclopedias anymore? Um, anything you're selling, Tommy, anything is, is going to be done in this format. Uh, but I am teaching it today as it pertains to doing interviews uh, and making sure that you're doing the interview right. Uh, so as we jump into it, today you're going to learn the math and the mechanics. Two things I'm going to show you today is the math and the mechanics. Now, I say a lot that uh, in our business, if you're not bored in our business, you're not doing something right. Uh, uh, what we do on a day-to-day -day basis can be pretty uh, redundant, pretty mundane, uh, and, uh, and, and ultimately can be very boring. Uh, the people I see who perform the best in our industry and build the biggest agencies uh, are typically people who have a pretty good sense of humor. I don't know if they developed that sense of humor while doing all the mundane or if their sense of humor keeps them going in the mundane. I don't know which came first, the chicken or the egg there, but uh, I do know uh, that if you want to be tremendously successful at what we do, uh, you got to master that mundane. You got to really be repetitive in the redundant uh, and just keep going over and over and over and over again. So uh, I'm going to get to the mechanics of how I do an interview, but I want to start with the math because the math is one of those things that keeps pulling me through when I'm doing interviewing, when I'm, when I'm recruiting. Um, it pulls me through because I just can't get away from how good the math is. Let's look at it. I'm going to give you uh, several examples. The first example of the math is real estate. So when, when, when I was eight years old, uh, and I wanted to build my own business and I, I became an entrepreneur at eight, I wanted to own my own company. Uh, I never in a million years imagined it was going to be in the insurance business. That was not ever the game plan. It actually, initially the game plan was real estate. Some of you guys have heard me tell the story about Mr. Trainum and, uh, and how uh, he told me to go into real estate, but, he, and, and I'm not in real estate now. I own my house, but I don't have real estate, right? So uh, this is the example uh, that I've been told by people who own real estate, who do that as an investment. Uh, this is an income example that I've been told. Now, uh, I, inevitably, somebody always comes back and says, wow, my, my numbers are better than that. I go, that, that's, that's super for you, man. That's fantastic. Um, <laughs> But uh, this, is what my, this is what I understand from the, from the masses of people that I know that do not commercial real estate, but residential real estate. These are the numbers I know from them. This is not my own experience. So if your experience is better than this, great for you. Uh, but the, anyway, real estate. What I understand is, now this is not necessarily true uh, on the West Coast, <laughs> but the rest of us normal United States people, uh, $100,000 investment in a house in Dallas, that's going to get you uh, an average home, uh, $100,000 investment is going to return to you $1,000 per month gross. Gross. Now, that's not net. That's gross. Uh, out of that, you got to pay the mortgage for the $100,000. And uh, in Texas, you better be saving up for that air conditioner. It's going to be replaced every, every so many years. Uh, if you're up in the north, uh, I guess you might have to save up for that heater. It's going to need to be replaced every so many years. Uh, but $100,000 investment for $1,000 a month return. Well, this doesn't work for me. It, when I was getting started in the insurance business at 23, the real estate model here, the real estate example did not work for me. Number one, I did not have $100,000 to invest in our property. Number two, I did not have the credit to get a loan for the $100,000. And uh, ultimately, putting $100,000 up to get like $300 net a month seemed a little, I know people make a fortune doing this but it just seemed a little daunting for me. It seemed like it just something that was a little bit insurmountable. Okay. So here's the next example. I first moved, uh, when we first moved to Texas, I made friends with a guy who was telling me about how Ross Perot had invested his money. Uh, and what Ross Perot had done 
uh, one of the things that Ross Perot did was he put a lot of his money in tax-free municipal bonds and those tax-free municipal bonds, you know, getting 3%, you know, here's your, my, my friend said to me, I'm just trying to save up $5 million into tax-free municipal bonds uh, so that, um, uh, and I can get paid 3% tax-free on that. And, and he's thinking $5 million to put into tax-free municipal bonds, that's savings and, and, and a form of savings and getting 3% on that tax-free. It's $150,000 a year income tax-free. I said, well, that sounds really pretty good, but where are you getting the $5 million from? So let's look at the example because he was making like $60,000 a year. It's going to take you four lifetimes to get $5 million. So here's the savings example, saving your way to wealth. All right, well, let's say uh, you put a million dollars in the bank. Again, stop, pause. Where the heck is the million dollars coming from? You know, 95% of Americans make less than $50,000 a year. So where's that million coming from for savings? But let's see how it plays out. A million dollars in savings, let's say you're getting 3% interest. That's $30,000 a year or $2,500 per month. A million dollars. So you save up a million dollars and get 3% interest. Nobody pays 3% interest. But you put a million dollars in the bank and get 3% interest for $2,500 a month? Yeah, that sounds painful. <laughs> it doesn't sound appealing to me at all. And when I was looking at getting a business started, I, I, I didn't have a million dollars. It was going to take me a lifetime to make a million dollars when I was 23. In my mind, it, took, it was going to take forever. And then getting that interest, anyway, it just, this example doesn't work for me. Okay, so here's the third example. Recruiting. <laughs> Some of you know my story. I got started the insurance business. Uh, I, I went out there my first week. I made $1,800 in commissions. And I thought, hey, this works. And then my friend Andy comes to me and says, hey, you know what? The if you want to build a business in the insurance business, it works like real estate. It works like mortgage, where if you want to build a business of it, you, you hire other agents. And, and agent A hires agent B. Agent B makes some money. Agent A gets paid a little bit, not out of Agent B's money. It comes from the, from the insurance companies. But Agent A gets paid a little bit for that. So I was 23. I hired my first agent. He was 50. I don't know why he listened to me, but he got paid $500 in that sale, and I got paid 50 bucks. And I was more excited about the 50 than I was the 1800 because I taught him that. And now he's going to go out there again this week and again the next week and the next week and the next week and keep selling. And so it – Heather and I picked up and moved from North Carolina to Dallas. It just was a better opportunity out here. There's more people in a more condensed area. The state of North Carolina has the same population as the DFW Metroplex. <laughs> and so it just, it seemed like we could get a lot more done here. That's why we moved. We expected to be here six months. It's been 20 years. Uh, this is home. This is where our roots are. Our kids are born here, yada, yada, yada. So when Heather and I moved, Thanksgiving of 99, we drove halfway across the country in my 89 Buick Century. <laughs> loaded down with stuff, with our stuff. I'd already made one trip out here with a U-Haul. We're riding, driving an 89 Buick Century, and um, we did not stop on the way out here and stay in, in a hotel because we did not have the 40 bucks for the hotel. But when I got out to Dallas, I started running an ad every Sunday in the Dallas Morning News, three-line classified ad, and I started running an ad every Sunday in the, in the uh, Fort Worth Star-Telegram. Dallas Morning News, Fort Worth Star-Telegram, each of them, three-line ads. They were $400 a piece. So that's $800 every Sunday I was investing in ads. And people say, you didn't have 40 bucks for the hotel, but you had $800 a week? No, I didn't have $800 a week. <laughs> no, no, I was putting it on credit card, man. And I was selling like crazy to try to make money as fast as I could to keep things going, to keep all the plates spinning. Why was I doing something so 
stupid to the outside world because I saw this example I'm about to show you. Now, I've modified it. Uh, this example used to be based on newspaper ads, but what I'm going to show you today is based on Craigslist. Now, there's a million places to advertise out there. Don't get hung up on it having to be Craigslist, but spend $140 per week in Craigslist ads, $7,280 over the course of the year. You don't have to put up the 72 or 7300 up front. It's 7300 over the course of the year that you're putting up with Craigslist. It's on a weekly basis that you're putting that money in. You're going to average 24 responses per week. I did not say you're going to book 24 interviews per week. You're going to get 24 responses. Some of those are not going to book. Some of them are. Run the numbers. The averages play out. One week's going to be great. One week's going to suck. It's going to average. That's how they play. Okay? So that's, if you multiply that out, that's 1,248 responses in a year that you're going to get. 1,248 responses to your ads in a year. Out of that, do you think that you, maybe by chance, somehow, some way, you could find one producer knocking out $10,000 in premium a month? Out of 1,200, almost 1,300 people, could you find one that can write 10000 a month? And I'm just going to stop there for a second and say, but you got to be consistent with running of the ads every week. You're not going to run, have a great week of ads and find that one producer. It's most likely not going to happen your first week. It's going to happen over the course of a year. Now, I think you'll find more than that, but what if you only found one? What if that producer is not knocking out 10000 but he and four of his friends, the five of them combined for 10000 which is more often the case than finding that one knocking 10,000 out. Oftentimes you're going to find one that with him and his buddies on a part-time basis, they're knocking 10,000 out, uh, 10,000 premium a month. Now the way our numbers work, if you've got a 10% spread, spread is the difference between your commission level and theirs. If you've got a 10% spread, that's a thousand dollars a month. 10,000 premium times 10% spread is a thousand dollars a month income. Cash flow, baby. Seven months, the investment is paid off. Investors want to know, what's my return of investment and what's my return on investment? So when am I getting my money out of the investment? Well, seven months. If it's going to take you a 12 months to put the $7,200 in, but you're going to get it back in seven months after you find this guy. And then he's going to keep on selling. The rest is gravy. $7,280 investment for a $1,000 a month return. Well, Fitz, that's gross. I cover the gross on the real estate as well. There's going to be some net coming out of that. Like you're going to have some override overhead on that guy. Of course, there's, there's no business that has all profit and no loss. I mean, there's, there's, there's some expense always, right? But 7,280 investment for a thousand dollar a month return. This is math I can get behind. That's real math right there. That's the kind of thing that keeps me running ads. Some people go, oh, I can't run an ad this week. And I get it because, hey, I couldn't afford a hotel room, but I, I was putting $800 a week into advertising. So I get it. However, <laughs> if you don't do it, you won't get it. Like you won't get what you're wanting. So here's some, here's some more math. This is not hypothetical. Those other, thing, other three were just examples. Here's some not hypothetical math. A couple of years ago, uh, some buddies and I were looking at the top agencies with the Alliance and, and we were adding up. Um, how many recruits happened in that agency and uh, what was the uh, corresponding income of that agency leader? So, uh, and, and, and this is, these are real numbers. So how many recruits per month happened in that agency? And then what did the agency leader end up making for the year? Um, make sense? Okay. Then it's not for the whole hierarchy. Like for me, there's, there's agencies that we've developed that I wouldn't count here, but then what's the whole 
total income on top of that. So uh, this math, four to six recruits per month in the agency. We're talking about getting 10 a month is what you really need to be getting in your, in your team. But four to six, when, for, the, for the agencies that averaged four to six recruits per month, the agency leader averaged a $228,000 income. Now, well, Fitz, I mean, those agency leaders, they're recruiting four to six a month. Those, those agency leaders are probably personally producing a little bit. Yeah, they are. But it, here's, here's the thing. There's, there's several factors in there. When you're looking for at stats, you're looking for trends, right? So what we found here was a trend. We started, I mean, you'll see it. It'll start appear to you. If this is the first time seeing these numbers, it's going to really pop its face out to you. You're going to see it right here. This next category, those agencies who average seven to 10 recruits per month in the agency the agency leader that year averaged 309000 in income. Is that top line dollars? Yes, that's gross. That's, that's before all the expenses taken out. We're talking gross numbers here. It ain't gross, though. Pretty attractive. Next category, 10 to 14 recruits per month. For the agencies that had 10 to 14 recruits per month, the, the agency leader made $489,000 a year. Do you see why I say get 10 recruits? Can you get 10 recruits a month? 10 recruits a month. Come on. You're going to be somewhere between $300,000 and $400,000 for sure. 15 to 18. Now, Fitz, we're not making money on the recruits. No, not if they don't sell. <laughs> the point is get them up and selling, but you got to recruit them first. So those agencies that average 15 to 18 recruits per month, $550,000 annual income for the agency leader crazy numbers. 20 to 22 recruits per month in the agency. The agency leader averaged $585,000 a year. Final category, 28 to 32. And by the way, we stopped it there because beyond that got nuts. The agencies that were recruiting 40 plus a month, the income for the agency leader was totally crazy. And we didn't want... Um, and putting these numbers together didn't want to blow you out of the water or make you man but whoa yeah it gets it gets crazy beyond this but we're going to stop at 28 to 32 recruits per month hmm 925,000 in income for 28 to 32 just saw that chat there from Michelle average 10 to 14 per month last year made over 500,000 but Michelle's a good personal producer of course <laughs> it we're not Again, we're not saying that these people are making money solely on the agency. That's just where the income came from. Now, here's what I know. When the recruiting is higher and you got $925,000 income average, that, that, those people were mostly, if not entirely, off of overrides, right? But here's one of the things that we've discovered. The better you get at recruiting, it ends up affecting positively your sales. The better you get at recruiting, your sales end up going up. You get better at sales. And so I think that the activity of recruiting in the agency directly correlates into the income. So let's get into the mechanics. And get into the mechanics of, uh, of doing the interview. I call this, I've called it sales 101 forever, but it's the basics of doing an interview. It's the basics of doing an in-home presentation. As we're going through this, you'll see that, uh, that our in-home presentation that we teach follows this same outline. Uh, with some slight modifications, right? Uh, but if you're out there selling cars, the same process is how you sell cars. Uh, there's going to be different modifications to it, but the same basic outline is the same uh, from sale to sale. So the first point is relationship. In the interview, building a connection. 
uh, when you're running in-home presentations, when you're doing the sales out there, uh, we call this the about me page, which really isn't about you. It's about them. You're trying to find out the things that you have in common uh, on the relationship. Now, this is not uh, making a best friend. I often say that I look at the, uh, the, the, the 30-minute interview that I do with somebody, uh, I look at that as a first date. And on the first date, you're not getting married. Most of us didn't get married on our first dates. Uh, but uh, first date, you're looking to see if you want a second date, right? You're looking for the things that you have in common, the things that you might want to explore more uh, in the next date, right? So I'm looking for relationship. Um, one of the things I do uh, in, in the interview is I, I really love talking to people whose names are hard to pronounce uh, because my first name is spelled A-L-E-X. And literally, I think the world pronounces that Alex, uh, except in my family, it's pronounced Ellick, like E-L-L-I-C-K. That's why I go by Fitz. Fitz is my last name, part of my last name. It's a nickname. I've been called Fitz most of my life um, because most people can't get my first name right. My, my close family and friends do, uh, but most people just call me Fitz. I've even got close friends and family and mentors that still call me Alex. They can't get it right. But it, it, and I don't blame them. It's, it's tough to say. But when I find somebody who's got a name that's hard to pronounce or is often mispronounced, I connect with that. Hey, I've got a jacked up name too. Let me tell you about it. And, and we just kind of connect over that. You're looking for connection. I, my, my dad was in the Navy. My brother was an airborne ranger. So I got that military family experience that I can connect with somebody on. You're looking for things you have in common. Uh, let's just be clear. You're not looking for things that you don't have in common. Uh, here's topics that are hot today in the United States. and I don't get into them in an interview or really ever because uh, there's just no money in this. It only divides usually. So uh, I, don't, I don't get into a lot of politics talk. Uh, I don't get into a lot of racial talk. I, I don't get into a, a lot of religious talk um, because it, it's, it's that, man, those things are pretty tricky to navigate. That's, that, that's really easy to jump out on some thin ice when you're, when, you're, when you're talking about those things. I mean, what if you go in full steam ahead as, as for or against the president? Well, you may be talking to somebody who, is, who shares your feelings, but, but there's a good chance that you're talking to somebody who doesn't share your feelings. And just like that, there's a division, you can't come together, no sale, no recruit, it's not going to be made. Now, I want to emphasize this relationship piece is not just the first step. This is the whole conversation you're having with somebody. You never, uh, you, well, you always look for opportunity to build connection. You're always looking for opportunity to find similarities, things that you have in common. That's not a, it's not first step. This is the whole conversation is this. If all you do is this piece, there's a real strong chance you've got a successful appointment uh, on the personal sales. You've got a successful interview, okay, if you do just do this piece. Uh, but uh, stacking the deck in your favor, let's cover the rest of the outline. Um, number two, identify the need. Identify the need. When we are uh, running personal production appointments, we identify the need. That's, that's often done with the green sheet or the financial picture page. Uh, some people even do it with the about me, but uh, identifying the need is definitely a step in a sales process. Identify the need, show them how you can fill it. That's just how it works. So with us, there's basically five needs that somebody has talking with us um, that uh, if we don't, if they don't have one of these five things, they really don't have a need for us. Uh, we, we have nothing to, to, to offer them. Uh, the first need is the right market. So if you're talking to a licensed person, uh, maybe they do Medicare supplements, well, really, uh, or health insurance enrollments, that's mostly in the fall. I know some people say they do it year-round, but they don't do it with a lot of income. It's mostly just in the fall is where the big money is being made, uh, that, that, and they're looking for something that's more year-round. 
lot of MedSup and health insurance people are now coming on board with us because what we do is life insurance, it's year round sales. Uh, and, uh, and a lot of times people leave those other industries and stay here because our market is more consistent. Uh, if you're talking to a non-licensed person, maybe you're talking to a non-licensed person who is a teacher and they have summers off. I, I say summers off. I'm, I'm a, I'm a son of a teacher. Uh, my mom was a teacher and it wasn't really like the summers were off. It's just the summers you weren't getting paid. <laughs> right. And so, uh, teachers often are looking for something to do during the summer. Uh, maybe a non-licensed person is a student and they're looking for a summer job. Uh, or, or, or something they can do kind of on a part-time basis during the school year. Um, that's a need, right? That, that's number one, that's market. Number two, companies. Companies. Um, uh, if you're a licensed interview, a licensed interview, I've hired people who are already licensed purely because we issue policies, uh, not knocking companies like New York Life at all. They've done business the right way. They built a huge business. They have a tremendous book of business and uh, they, they really want to protect that. So uh, they, New York Life does not issue you know, questionable uh, applicants, people who have slight health conditions are not going to get issued with a company like that. It's not putting them down. They just don't want to take on that risk. Uh, because they, they got this this portfolio of business that they don't want to hurt the performance of that portfolio. Uh, so people have come on board with us because our carriers will actually issue business and they, we can get anybody issued from 40 to 80, right? So they, we, people come on purely for that reason. Non-licensed person, when they're talking to us, they like to know there are companies that we've got some brands they've heard of, Mutual of Omaha and Transamerica and, and AIG and some of these name brand companies that people have heard of, uh, we toss those out. We have great companies and, and it's often a need that people have when they come on board. Number three need is leads. Uh, licensed people coming on board often are looking for a good lead program. It's really depressing when you talk to somebody who's been in the industry for 40 years and is still looking for a good lead program. So I often talk about with a licensed person, not only do we have leads, but we'll teach you how to get referrals so you can be less and less dependent on that expense. <laughs> right? And, and, and people get excited about that. Non-licensed person uh, doing an interview with a non-licensed person, they get excited about that we have leads because they've been through the opportunities where they have to put a, a list together, their friends and family, so they can go sell to them or their upline can go sell to them and keep the commissions. We're, we're not doing that. So it's non-licensed people like to hear that we have leads and we're not dependent on their warm market to make sales. That said, it's smart to go talk to your friends and family about life insurance because when they die, do you want their, your friends and family to be financially destitute? No, of course you don't. But non-licensed people and licensed people alike are looking for market companies and leads. Number four, support. Support. So, um, a licensed person, a lot of times you'll hear licensed people talk about how they were with this opportunity, with that opportunity, and they just could not get any training or support. They had to figure it out on, them, on their own. I was the same boat when I first got started. I was given a phone script that had been photocopied so many times it was diagonal and it was written in italics and nobody taught me how to say it. So I actually yelled on my first, uh, when I was, my first dials I was making, I yelled to the client before somebody finally said, you're not supposed to yell. I didn't know it was in italics and nobody taught me how to do it. Well, that's a pretty common story, that kind of thing in the industry. And so uh, a licensed agent is really looking for a company a lot of times that offers support and training. Non-licensed people who have no experience in the industry feel a little insecure about jumping in and doing this uh, because they're concerned they're not getting the support and training. But we offer that as something that we have. Number five, money. And it's the type of money. Licensed agents coming on board with us, the companies they were with previously, primarily, don't allow them to hire other people. And don't allow them to actually build an agency. And if they do allow them, don't have the expertise in supporting the building of the agency. 
A lot of non-licensed people come on board. Frankly, a lot of non-licensed people come on board, came on board like me. I didn't want to be an insurance agent. I wanted to own a business. A lot of non-licensed people come on board the same way. I don't want to go sell insurance the rest of my life, but I do want to build a business. We offer that. That's a need that they might have that we offer. Once you identify the need, fill it. When I identify with a licensed agent, what they're looking for is great companies. I don't spend a lot of time talking about those other four needs. I zero in on the companies. It's what they said they needed, right? It's what they said they needed. Once you fill the need, close the deal. And closing the deal, if they're licensed, I'm going to send them instructions for doing the onboarding information. I tell them, hey, listen, anytime you start a job, there's like a big packet of stuff you got to fill out with the HR department. Our packet's not that big, but I'm going to send you instructions of how to fill it all out. It's done online. It's done securely. We need your background information. We need a W-9 tax form so we can report your taxes. And we need direct deposit information so we can deposit your commissions. We're going to need all of that. And, and. And on the tail of that, I send them those instructions and I also book the next conversation. If they're licensed, the next conversation is getting them contracted. If they're not licensed, the next conversation is getting them signed up for class. And I tell them, it's important that you do the onboarding information before this next conversation. Otherwise, this next conversation is going to take longer than it really should. You get a chance to kind of save yourself some time by doing this on your own. Okay. Again, if they're licensed, we send them the instructions for fast tracking and then schedule them, bam, fam, book a meeting from a meeting. We schedule them for uh, contracting. If they're not licensed, send them the instructions for fast tracking and schedule a time in the next 24 to 48 hours where we are getting them signed up for class and if possible, also getting them signed up for their state exam. And in part of the closing the deal too, it's referrals. A lot of, a lot of times that for me, that depends on how the conversation flowed. So real quick, that's, that's the basic outline of uh, how I do uh, interviews. So let me kind of uh, real quickly run through the beginning of it. Um, and, uh, and then I'll, I'll run through the end of it uh, because the middle is just conversation that you're having with somebody. So the beginning of it, I kick off by saying, uh, Hey Bob, my name is Fitz. Um, I'm calling from the Fitz group. I'm calling for our scheduled conversation is now still a good time. Yeah, it is great. Well, Bob, let me run through a couple of housekeeping items real quick before we get into the, the meat of the conversation. Uh, I have that you live in Dallas. Is that right? Yes. Now, um, pause for a second. I'm doing this just as kind of a, a role play by myself, but I may spend some time talking to that guy about where he lives in Dallas, how long he's been here. Is he from here originally? I'm again, looking for connection, looking for a way to connect. Um, I move on. I say, okay, if there, if, I will say, now, how did we find you? Did, did you answer one of our ads? Or I may know that Mary sent me Bob's name. And I say, well, it looks like we're connected through Mary, right? If they're non-licensed, but if they, or, or if they're a referral, but if they came, you know, where's where Craigslist or ZipRecruiter? Um, if they're not a referral, I'm asking where we, where they found us, where they saw us online. And then I'm confirming whether they have a license or not. Now you don't have an insurance license yet. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Okay, great. Now, and then I jump into it. I go, listen, uh, I, Bob, I've pretty much exhausted all that I know about you. Uh, and so what I'd like to do now is I'd really like to hear a little bit about you. Uh, if you can give me a little background on you, you know, what you do now for money, what you did before, uh, just give me kind of a, a real brief uh, overview of, of your background, if you don't mind. Go ahead. And then now Bob's talking to me. He's telling me. He's running through his resume. What am I doing? I'm listening for these needs. I'm listening for where I have something that, that can help him. I'm, I'm, and all I'm doing at this point is just having a conversation with the guy, just having a conversation, just, just like you just went to a party and met somebody for the first time and you're having a conversation with that person, getting to know them a little bit. That's all I'm doing here, but I'm not getting to know them a little bit 
to, to, to just know them. I'm getting to know them a little bit to find out where I can help them. Okay. That's the conversation. Now, once I've identified the need, I'm, I'm going to focus in on what it looks like here for us. Uh, and I can tell you individually about those different conversations, but I'm, you know, if, if his need is leads, well, I'm going to run through how our leads work. Um, and, and I'm, I'm pretty clear on our leads are not free and here's how it actually plays out and yada, yada, yada. I don't get too detailed, but I get detailed enough that they have information. They have the information they need to make a decision. And then, uh, so I show them how to fill the need. And step four, here's kind of how it works. Well, Bob, listen, uh, the next steps here, let's assume Bob's a referral that's non-licensed. Let's go there. So Bob, here's the deal. Uh, our next steps is we got to get you scheduled for the class and scheduled for the state exam. Um, now what I'm going to do real quick is I'm going to send you a text and an email. It's going to have you uh, give you instructions of how to fill out uh, your onboarding information. Bob, anytime you start with an HR department or any start, start with a new job, the HR department is going to give you all this stuff to fill out. Uh, it's going to be uh, basic background information, a W-9 and uh, direct deposit information. So uh, that's, that's for us. I'm going to send you instructions of how to fill that out. I need you to fill that out before our next conversation. Can you do that? Sure. Great. I send them the text and the email. All right. Now, Bob, you need to get signed up for class and your state exam. Let me, let me pull out the calendar and see what we can do here. What I'm going to do next, Bob, is I'm going to actually meet with you in an online meeting room so you can see my computer screen. You'll see me signing up for your class. You'll see me signing you up for the test. You'll see all of that. Um, now, I've got time uh, this afternoon or tomorrow morning. What's better for you? Right. And I book it. And yes, I do book it and send him information for doing a Zoom meeting so he can look online. And I tell him, you're going you're gonna to get in the confirmation text and email, you're going to get how to log on for the online meeting room. And you're going to get a link for the class that I'm going to recommend that you sign up for. So you can look at it, get a feel for the website, but you don't need to sign up. Don't sign up directly with them. They're going to charge you 200 bucks. We're going to get it to you at a discount for 50. Uh, so I'll help you get that discount. But I did want you to give it, give you a chance to kind of look at the site ahead of time. Does that make sense, Bob? Yeah, makes sense. Okay, great. And I book it and we're done. That's how the basic outline, uh, the interview outline works. And, uh, and that's kind of how I flow through the beginning and the end. Again, in the middle, it really is just about having conversation with somebody, getting to know them a little bit and figuring out where you can help them. Um, hope that helps. Can I help you? Sure would like to. If you're an agent with us, please go to timewithfits.com. That's timewithfitz.com to schedule a time when I can help you directly. Just pick a topic, pick a time, and we'll meet. If you're not an agent with The Fitz Group, I encourage you to go to thefitzgroup.org slash contact. Again, that's thefitzgroup.org slash contact and send us a message. See you next week.